All right. Um, it's so good to have you all with us, and it's great to have the chaos again, isn't it, of the kids heading out um, after worship. But it's so good just to look around and see them all um, together as, as we worship. So just a few quick announcements for you before Al comes up to speak. Um, just as, our, as part of our worship, we always like to give financially, and we're not passing an offering basket around still at the minute, but you can give using the red post box at the back, and there's also a card machine at the back if you um, would like to give that way. Um, it'd be great if you're a regular here that you give by standing order, because then it's a lot easier to claim things like gift aid. You can find out details about that on our website. Um, so a couple of things coming up that, which are really important. If you take a wee look around the room, particularly at the back, you will see some things you think, oh my goodness, that, those look amazing. Um, it looks like art, but it's actually because during the week, um, over the next 40 days, this building here is going to act um, as a prayer room uh, on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And all the stuff done at the back, and if you look at the, the window over there, it's, there's um, scripture on that and, and picture and stuff. That was all done um, by Abigail Gracie, who comes to this church. So, like, um, she painted the painting of the eye in an hour. So, be amazed. <laughs> Um, I think it's fantastic. But she, she, her and Vivian have worked together to put together a couple of prayer spaces to help us when we pray. So we're praying as a church for 40 days. And prayer rooms are a great opportunity for us to really focus our prayers. So you can pray for Ported Down, you can pray for the world, and you can pray for Ukraine at the back there. And there's a few other kind of prayer stations and things on the wall which help you kind of focus your prayers as you're praying. So um, we're praying for 40 days. And as Emmanuel Ported Down, when we're praying, um, you can book an hour to pray physically in this building on a Wednesday and on a Saturday. So at the back, there are chalkboards. Please, if you would like to sign up for an hour for this week, put your name down uh, on one of the two chalkboards for Wednesday or Saturday. So you, that would just mean you come in for an hour uh, and take some time to pray, look through the prayer stations and pray for revival, pray for God to move in this land, pray for God to move um, in our church. And if somebody's name is already down there, that's okay. You can still come because there's lots of space in here as you, you, can, you can see. But we would love to have at least one person coming in each, each of those hours on, on the Wednesday and the Saturday. We also need a few people to host. And what hosting means is you're just coming for that hour or for two hours to be in the building, to make sure that it's open, to make sure people come in and or see if, if anybody kind of walks in off the street to have a chat with them, say hello, um, to make sure there's tea and coffee available. So if you would like to sort of say, look, I'd be happy to come and host for a couple of hours on a Saturday. Um, please come and talk to me afterwards because we'd love to get that sorted out. And as I suppose one of this is one of these things. In the past, when we had things like prayer rooms, we were used to coming in and actually coming somewhere to pray. And we'd love for that to happen here in Portadown. Now, we've got more options for prayer in Lurgan. So Lurgan has a 24-7 prayer room. And what we were trying to do across the two churches is to have people in praying literally 24-7 for the next 40 days, starting from this evening. And you can sign up online for that. So you sign up on, online and you say, I'm gonna be available for this hour. You will then be sent a code and some information about how to access the building in Lurgan. Um, the prayer room has its own door and its own keypad and everything. So you'd be signing up to go and pray 
there. And so this is, again, one of the things about prayer is that we stretch ourselves and we step out of our comfort zones and we think, right, I'm going to physically go somewhere to pray at 3 a.m. and I'm going to go and I'm going to pray for my hour and do my prayer slot. And that takes a bit of commitment. But when we stretch out, when we step out of our comfort zones, those are the times when God comes and he meets us uh, and we have a real encounter with him. So I really encourage you, you'll see it on the Friday email, it's on the website, um, how you can actually go and pray 24 hours a day. And we want to see how many of those hours we can get covered. As Al said last week, there are 960 hours in those 40 days and there's roughly that same amount of people across our um, church body, um, across this city. And so you only need to take an hour. If you want to know which hour in the middle of the night is yours, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, I've got a wee idea. Um, you know, but just whatever is going to work for you, we'd love for you to do that. And so to launch that and to start that off, we have our encounter night, which is um, this evening over in Lurgan, half past six. It's our Seek First encounter night, and we're going to launch our um, 40 days of prayer at that. I'd really encourage you to come all, all over to Lurgan for that. It'll be a fantastic evening. And then Wednesday night, we have corporate prayer. Is it in Lurgan as well? Yeah. So Lurgan, 8 p.m. to 9 is our bi-weekly prayer rhythm, and it's over in Lurgan, 8 to 9 p.m. So let's just uh, pray for Al as he comes to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for Al. We thank you for the word that you have placed in his heart. Uh, and I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say to us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and breathe and move in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Well done with those announcements. Really looking forward to the 40 days of prayer. We've already got the first 24, hour, 24 48 hours, night and day, all covered over in Lurgan, um, uh, which is, as Chris said, for everyone. So um, do, do please get engaged. We feel like it, it's... it's um, the last time we did this as a church family um, years ago, it, it changed us, really. It changed us, and uh, we're believing that God will do the same again. So um, <clears throat> let's get stuck into that. Genesis um, chapter 1 is where we started off when we started this series. Well, we, we looked at the parable of the talents first, but we've been looking at this theme of blessed to be a blessing, and I uh, hope you've been enjoying it. Um, is this? Is this? Okay, it's coming now. Um <clears throat> Um, just my beautiful assistant here. Come on, <laughs> um, we're 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 looking at this theme, blessed to be a blessing. And as we do that, we want to try and uh, do a quick recap here, basically. And I'm going to try and do this as quickly as I can because we want to get into some stuff this morning that I think the Lord maybe wants to speak to us all about. Genesis chapter one, where where we where we went uh, to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, told us and tells us about in the creation narrative about how God blessed humanity. God blessed his creation. Thank you, Johnny. And he, he blessed both the plant life on day five. He, plant the, he blessed the animals and he said to them to be fruitful, to multiply and to fill the earth. Okay. And then on day six, then he also uh, said to humanity when he created mankind, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth but rule over the earth as well, steward the earth. So God blessed his creation. He blessed the kind of plant life and the animals. And then he 
but he bless and he gave the same blessing to humanity. But when the blessing he gave to humanity, he actually gave them stewardship over what he'd already blessed. Okay, so a little distinction there. And what we said was that um, God is the producer of life, but un- unbelievably, almost unfathomably, as his image bearers, God gave his humanity the potential to reproduce what God had produced, to humanity to produce it, but something of the divine image bearer is endowed with a special ability to reproduce what God has produced. And so that helped us understand this working definition, if you like, of the word blessed, which we see in the, in, 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 in the first pages of the, of the, of the Bible, that the, to bless somebody is the bestowing of abundant divine power to bring around fruitfulness, multiplication, or reproduction, and filling. Okay, so blessing, to be blessed or to bless somebody, when God blesses things, it's in order to bring about, divine, through his divine loving power, a sense of fruitfulness, multiplication, and filling. This is what our original design is made up of. Intrinsic to being an image bearer in the purest sense is to not only live in blessing, but to overflow with blessing, right? That's amazing. So when we bless our kids, as we've talked about, and as we bless people, and as we bless our city, and as we receive the blessing of God, we're somehow mysteriously in this flow that has always came from the Father as he's created the world to, be ble- to bless others, to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. And so what we've said is that this helps us understand this key biblical theme of stewardship, that everything we are and have has been given to us from God to enjoy and to channel for his purposes. We aren't owners, right? We don't own, in a sense, before God, or we shouldn't necessarily have that sense of owning things that are just ours, but we are co-partners who have been entrusted with divine worth and to get about partnering with God in extending that to the world. And uh, what we tried to say, the last two points here, is that only when we get gratitude for the blessing, only when we count our blessings, only when we become grateful and thankful for our blessings, does it really unlock us to then be a good steward. Because if you don't think that it's yours or you're not happy for it or you're not grateful for it, then you can't steward it well. And And finally, the other key thing that we're carrying with us in our learning process in this theme is that there was a together dynamic to the blessing. It was male and female that were fruitful. There was a working together. It was in family and it was in community that the blessing was really going to come. And then last week, Chris took us through the fall and um, how the, the, the erosion, basically, of these blessing principles came to place through initially through this crafty serpent. Remember, Chris mentioned this last week as well. The devil is um, he, he's not creative, God is creator, but he is crafty. You know, uh, we read it last week, uh, the crafty serpent, okay? And he, he came into the garden and he sowed doubt in the seed of Adam and Eve. The serpent causes Adam and Eve to doubt the goodness of God is enough. And so they see this tree. It looks like a blessed tree. It looks like most of the rest of the trees in the garden. But the enemy sows the seed, and so the, that God's goodness, what you have already been blessed with by God is not enough. And so the, enem, so the enemy's doubt that is seeded into Adam and Eve's mind, they take the bait in a sense, and they eat from that tree, and they seek a false blessing. They seek a blessing, and they strive after a blessing that is not the blessing of God, which was more than enough for them. And this is the story of humanity, as Chris brought out last week. 
And uh, we, we go after a false blessing, a fake abundance. And so that results in relational breakdowns. Man and woman blame each other and s sin comes into the world in that way. Relational breakdown with God and man, with man and woman and with man and creation. And um, the result is horrendous, which we see expressed in individualism and all kinds of things that we live in today. And then finally, there's a curse that comes into the world. And I want you to try and grasp this today as we move forward. Rather than God cursed the serpent and, he, and um, he cursed the ground, and he actually didn't curse mankind at that time. But there would be consequences for their decision. And rather than multiplying blessing, mankind started to multiply sin and a sense of curse in the world. And, and that started to spiral out of control. So that as Chris brought out last week with the image of the two little fish in, in, in the water, this is now the water that we swim in. A, a sin-affected world that doesn't know how to handle the blessing of God. And so moving forward today, I want to show you how this cycle basically repeats itself through the Old Testament. And I want to focus particularly on Genesis. And what we're going to see, while there's been lots of mistakes made by humanity, there are some moments where we can learn what it is to steward blessing and to understand how God is committed despite the rebellion of humanity, despite the sin and selfishness, despite our distorted understandings of the blessing of God, God is still committed to seeing this blessing mandate move through humanity, okay? And so please don't worry too much if I, if I skim over bits of the biblical kind of narrative that you're maybe not that familiar with. I'll, I'll try my best to explain them along the way, but hopefully you'll get the point. Adam and Eve as we know, give birth to Cain and Abel. What happens there? There's a fallout between them. Cain doesn't like Abel's sacrifice. He gets jealous, all of those things, and sin starts to cycle. You see, God will continue to give humanity the dignity of making choices because he's given them this incredible gift of free will. They can, right, and this is, this is quite a sobering point, humanity can unleash blessing or unleash curse. And the problem is, for the most part, they unleash curse. But God will only let them do this to a point. To a point when they're going to necessarily destroy the whole cosmos. And so in the early passages of Genesis, what we see by the time we get to the flood, mankind had unleashed curse so much on the earth that God came to the point where he's like, I need to allow the whole world to practically decreate to go back into the watery chaos of creation in order to recreate it, but I'm going to save one righteous person, and Noah is saved th through the story of the flood. But what happens, what happens with Noah? It, a really, really quick thing, just it's really helpful to know about the Bible. When the original Bible was written, it wasn't written with chapter and verses. So, so the way that they understood like little patterns was through different words and schemes and things that are repeated, not by like chapter and verses. And so when you read Genesis chapter through Genesis, you start to realize that there's patterns because the authors are trying to tell us something. And so when Noah comes out of the flood, do you know what he does? He plants a garden. And you know what happens? God blesses him in that garden. And do you know what God blesses him with? The exact same blessing that he gave to Adam. Be fruitful, be multiply, and fill the earth. What does Noah do then? Noah's, Noah messes up. Noah ends up getting naked. What does that remind us of? The garden. What happens after that? Noah curses his sons. There's sibling rivalry. What does that remind us of? 
Cain and Abel. And so what happens with Noah and his sons is the sin starts to cycle out of control again. Curse starts to multiply around the earth. And what is painted a few chapters later is all these nations on the earth which come from Noah's sons who are rivaling each other. There is, a, there is a dominant narrative of these people who have filled the earth, but they're not living under God's rule again, and they're not living in harmony with one another. And so they come together to build a tower called Babel. And God is like, I can't let them do this because they're going to ruin the whole plan of blessing again. And so the sin cycle has got to such a point where God has to step in again. But this time, God won't flood the earth because it broke his heart so much the first time that he can't do that again. And so he spreads them out and he separates them. And he has to judge their rebellion, their selfishness, their willingness to want the blessing without the blesser. And so God has to scatter them around the earth. And that's what we see around Genesis chapter 10 and 11. And so the first 11 chapters of Genesis are all about showing us that humankind will try to do this in their own way and on their own terms, and it breaks God's heart. What would God do? Because up until this point, it doesn't seem like it's going too well, right? And so when we get to Genesis chapter 12, we meet this guy called Abraham, who's going, Abram, who's going to be called Abraham, and he is God's next kind of attempt, sort of like creation, take three, right? He's going to try and start again the third time. It didn't, it didn't go well the first time. It didn't go well a second time after Noah. And now after Babel, he chooses this man called Abraham. Just a random, in some ways, wandering nomad. And this is what he says to him in Genesis chapter 12. Three verses we're going to read today. And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. There we have it. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. This is, I would argue, one of the most important passages of the scripture. If you can get what's going on here, you can start to get your head around the whole story of what's unfolding from this point on. God picks Abraham. And he says, I want to bless you. I want to bless your family so that through you, all the nations will be blessed. The first point that I want to make today is the rescue plan. God's commitment to humanity is a blessing plan. Isn't that amazing to start with? After all the wickedness that's been in the world that we see in the first 11 chapters of the Bible, it's not revenge. Those that can just go, to go, go down and sort these things all out and like, you know, just forget about the whole project. He's still committed and he's still committed through a plan of blessing. Yeah. The, the, a little caveat that's really helpful to know, if you went back just into the genealogy at the end of chapter 11, before you get into chapter 12, it tells us that Abram is from a place called the Ur of the Chaldeans. The Ur of the Chaldeans is another way of saying Babylon which basically means that God took a man from Babylon, which represents everything that's got to do with rebellion, took him, told, told, told him to come out of that place so that he could bless him, so that he could bless his family, so that one day he could bless the whole nation and go back and win the hearts of those who have rebelled against him. Isn't God just amazing? Isn't he just the most kindest being that you could ever imagine? 
The blessing is going to come through one man prepared to follow the voice of God. It's a compelling voice. It's a beautiful voice. It must have been like the disciples hearing Jesus say, follow me. And Abram just starts walking. And the blessing is going to come through his family. There's that point again, remember we've learned in Genesis 1, it's going to come through a togetherness, through a community, through a working together. It's going to come through his family, the multiplying effect. Second point, some of these first points are quite obvious, but they're worthwhile just repeating. The blessing over Abraham's life is audacious. Like this is just a random, normal person who's about 75 at this particular time. And God says to them, I'm going to, I'm picking you, Abraham, and I'm going to put the very seed of Eden, my dream for the world, into you. And through you and Sarah, you're going to give birth to a nation. And through that nation, my whole dream for the world is going to come to pass. Like, it is incredible, unbelievable. Be fill the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. That blessing mandate is being carried through Abraham. There's a clear horizontal and vertical implication. I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to bless the nations. Vertical, horizontal. What does that remind you of? The vertical and the horizontal. The the cross, yeah? Just a little hint of where we're going with this, okay, in the weeks ahead, right? What is it? It's it's the blessing mandate that we're going to see fulfilled in Christ that, that Abraham has been given, Abraham at this point. And I just want to say this to you this morning before we move on from this point. The blessing over your life, the destiny over your life, it's audacious. It's beyond what you can imagine. And I know some days you think that you're just trying to make it through the day. And I understand sometimes you're coming out of winter and the nights have been dark and it feels like you're sludging through day to day. But you've got to remember the blessing over your life is audacious. It's beyond what you can imagine. It's beyond what you can compare. This is a good, good God who wants to bless his people, who wants to bless his sons and daughters, who created people in his image to carry his dream. And the very seed of Eden, the very seed of Eden can be planted in your life and is planted in your life if you know Jesus. You just need to activate it. You just need to pray for more revelation of it. Because God has an audacious plan for your life, calling you out of the mediocre, mundane existence into the dream of God. Which brings me on to the third point. You can only, you can only realize your destiny when you understand that you are part of the great story of blessing to all. We only realize our destiny when understood in the great story of blessing to all mankind. Abraham follows the voice. The biblical authors later on say he went out not knowing where he's going. If there was ever an Irish phrase in the Bible, that's it, isn't it? He went out not knowing where he was going. It was basically, as the Australians would say, it was basically like walkabout, right? He went walkabout, and he went following the voice of God. He's a lot to learn, but for now he has started walking. It's a little bit like this. Hopefully this diagram will help. God called a man called Abram. And with his wife, Sarah, planted the seed of Eden in order that their descendants would become the children of Israel, which we'll explain in a moment or two, in order that they might win the world. You only understand your story when you understand it in the big story of blessing to all. So let's make this a bit more personal. You put your name in there. God has an audacious plan for your life. A seed of blessing is placed in and over your life in order that you can be part of his family. 
which he's been building from the beginning of time and what we see here in Abram's story, in order that through his church, through the people of God, we will represent them to the world. The problem is, and I think this is a bit of a game changer if you can get this in your mind, the problem is this is what we've done with the church. We've made me the biggest circle. We've made me the biggest circle. I don't really like the worship in that church. Well, we're not worshiping you. Yeah? That's what you want to say sometimes, isn't it? We're worshiping, we're worshiping Jesus. Or I, I don't really like the way, that, you know, or I just need a church that fits my needs and fits around my family schedule. And, you know, and it becomes consumeristic. The, the greed and the selfishness and just that kind of, it's all about us. And it's not. But ironically, if we get the first way of it, how do I do this? Go back. Can you go back? Sorry, I'm on a flow here, Johnny. <laughs> if, if you go back one, you see that this is what, ironically, when you get this, it's never more life-giving. It's never more fulfilling when you surrender your life to the great story of all. You realize that you're partaking. You never feel more significant when you get that. But the problem is when we make it like this, the next one, we, we think we're striving for significance, but we're not actually finding it because we haven't surrendered to the great story of God for the blessing of all mankind and playing our part in it the way God really wants us to. You getting it? Yeah? You with me? Yeah? So let's look a little bit further at this blessing that God gave Abraham to see what else we can learn. The thing about the blessing that God gives Abraham, as I've already said, it's audacious, but it almost is so audacious it seems impossible. And this is why we have to pray for revelation. Because when you're preaching this up here, you, 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 you know that you're just, you've, all you've got is words and hopefully the Holy Spirit, right? What, what we need is revelation because I, sometimes, most of the time, I don't get it either. But I, I really long for us as a body to get this. Because for Abraham, and we, this is why we can relate to Abraham, because he couldn't get it fully at the start. Because it was so audacious, it felt, felt impossible. Even more so because if you're going to like be the father of nations, what are you going to need to have? Children. Abraham was 75 at this particular point. I bet when he looked at his own life and what he thought he had the ability to produce or reproduce, and then he looked at his wife, who was a few years short of him, and he thought, God, you know, father of the nations, we can't even have children. This is, this is breaking our hearts. And it almost seems a bit insensitive, God, because we've been struggling with this. And so what, what we start to see is 13 chapters of Abraham's story. The Bible gives us 13 chapters. There's not many people in the Bible get that amount of time because God needs to show us how he needs to work with this man that he has chosen so that he can help him come to the place where he can handle the magnitude of the blessing over his life. And so basically God is showing us how he has to kind of wrestle with Abraham wrestle Abram's sinfulness, his selfishness, the way he wants to get the blessing for himself. It's showing us how God is working with this man to get him to the point where he can handle the blessing. On the one hand, Abraham is brilliant. He's become the father of our faith, rightly. But on the other hand, he's really normal. He's really underwhelming in lots of other ways. He's just like you and me. <laughs> he gets it wrong lots of times. He struggles, and so we can relate and we see him get it so beautifully in some moments, and then we get it, see him getting it so drastically wrong in others. And usually the times that he gets it wrong, the low points in Abram's story from this point on, are usually when he has tried to make the blessing happen on his own terms. 
he has went for another blessing that he thought was the real blessing, but it wasn't God's blessing. It's a repeat, isn't it, of the Garden of Eden. He tries to end up blessing and getting the blessing in his own ways. And here's the thing that's really sobering this morning. When you try to get the blessing in your own strength, it ends up becoming like a curse. And that's what happened in Abram's life. He told a lie about his wife, and he basically cursed the Egyptians who had taken his wife because they thought it was a sister. And sickness came on them. He basically, along with Sarah, sexually abused his maidservant in order to try and have a son that they thought would then become the heir and the blessing. And it wasn't the blessing. And so what happens is he hurt people. And when you try to seek the blessing in your own strength, you end up hurting yourself and you end up hurting other people. And so God has work to do with Abram. Abram could see something of the promise, but he couldn't fully see it. Anybody relate? Anybody ever have promises spoken over them or feel God has given you promises and you just can't see it yet? Or it feels like this all sounds really good, Alan, but it's just not it's just right in front of me. You imagine Abram having those conversations with God. I'm going to bless the nations, God. I'm going to have a family that's going to bless the nations. There's still no son. This is the bare facts I'm looking at right in front of me, God. How can this be true? It's powerful stuff. And, and God and Abram are having these conversations, and God is working with this man because he loves him, and he's committed to him. But God wants Abram to carry his own heart to the nations. And when Abram still got his own stuff, and still trying to do it in his own way. God's like, we need to do a bit more work, Abram. I love you, son. I'm committed to you. You're going to be, a great, you're going to be great, and you're going to be great to the nations, but I, I need to work with you because I want you to carry my very heart, my pure, pure heart. And so what I want you to hear today, and I think this is a powerful point, that any waiting or discipline we endure is because we aren't ready to handle the blessing that God wants to pour out upon us. Any waiting that we're enduring, and I know there's like sensitive issues probably here this morning going on in people's lives, and so I know it all sounds all well and good, me just like rattling out a few teaching points, and I want you to hear a sympathy and empathy because I've been in this place and I understand what it means, but what I want to say is to you, I just want to say this, and you, 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 you pray about this in your own heart, in your own life, in your own circumstances, but when we go through stuff that's tough, when it feels like we're waiting, or when it feels like even we're being disciplined by the Lord sometimes, it's not because God gets some perverse satisfaction out of watching us suffer. It's because he's got a blessing for our lives that's audacious, that's beyond what we could ever imagine. And he just has to get us to the point where we can handle the magnitude of that blessing. The devil wants to lock us in around, he wants to sow doubt about who God is. He wants us to think God's withholding from us. He wants us to think that the blessing of God's not good enough, so go and do it a different way. Go and find it somewhere else. But God calls us to patiently endure because he's chiseling us out, the self out of us, into this place so we can truly be a channel of God's blessing. And through all the ups and downs, Abraham starts to learn the intimacy and depth of oneness that God really does want them, and eventually he gets there. It's like God saying, I want to give you all of me, Abraham. But until you give me all of you, I can't fully give you all of me. But he's an inspiration for us. He is the father of our faith because finally he gets there. And when he gets there, God gives him a child. And what do they call their child? Isaac. Because Isaac means laughter. 
Because the joy of the Lord comes in our hearts in such a way that when we're fully surrendered and we're fully given up, we find a joy that the only thing Isaac and Sarah, or Abraham and Sarah can do when he's born. And at this stage, by the way, this is 25 years later from the initial promise, so he's 100 now and Sarah's 99. And if you can imagine a 100-year-old person and a 99-year-old person giving birth to a wee baby, well, sure, the only thing you could do is but laugh, isn't it? And they just laugh. It's just like joy. It's like only God. And Isaac comes into the world. And then, oh my goodness, this is such an intense story. I feel it every time I read it. Then God says to him a few years later, I don't know, maybe 13, 14 years later, he says, you see the actual promise? Will you give me that? Will you give me that? And this is the point where if you don't really understand God, you want to give up on God. Because this is, this is the tough passage. But this is the heart of the gospel. There's loads I could say, a whole other sermon, lots of nuance to this particular passage where God asks Abraham to give up his own son. And he goes up. And uh, interestingly, he says, don't worry, son, the Lord will provide, which I think is important for us to hear. But I, I'm not going to get tangent because I could preach a whole sermon on that. I just want to say that when he takes Isaac up the mountain and he lifts the knife up, then God says this, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not put anything to him. Do anything to him. Now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you fear God, for you have not withheld your only son from me. God brings us to these moments where he looks at our choice and our decision and he says, now I know. Now I know. Abram has needed to learn this fifth point. <clears throat> you're only really ready to fulfill, fully receive. You're only ready to fully receive the blessing and steward the blessing of God when you fully surrender to the blesser. The big question is, sometimes we want the blessing more than we want the blesser. And you, you see, God's, God... This is, this is the challenge, and I know this is hard. This is like a hard challenge this morning. It's hard in my own heart. God just doesn't want the bad stuff. That, you know, he obviously wants that so he can transform it. He wants the good stuff. What about some promises that have come into our lives, some blessings that have come into our lives that have become, we've become so attached to that they're more important to us than God? And what if God wants to test us in these moments? And say, listen, I want to give you all of me. But I want you to meet me in that place. I want you to meet you. Because some of these blessings are the goodness of God. But we love them so much. We become so attached to them. Because they help us so much. They become a crutch to us. And we just miss the heart of God. Who wants to take us deeper and further. Why? Because there's actually even more blessing. There's always more blessing. And how you steward what you've been given determines how much further you can go. If you give me five minutes here, I'm going to try and wrap this up. I want to encourage you to give to God even the promises of God. You know, your children, give them to God. Your spouse, give them to God. You see, sometimes people find their identity in the people that are closest to them. You'll become the best dad, the best mother, the best son, the best daughter, 
the best friend when you give the ones that you love into his hand. That, that doesn't mean for one stretch of the imagination that you love them any less. It actually means you love them so much that you trust the Heavenly Father even more than you do yourself to love them and to be all that God has called them to be. If you thought Abraham needed a bit of work, you should see his grandson. Holy smoke. This boy called Jacob. He came out. He came out of the womb. His name means deceiver. If Abraham needed a bit of work, Jacob needed even more. He was a crafty one from the beginning. Jacob represents and looks like the serpent more than anybody else in the book of Genesis. He actually came out grabbing his brother's heel some start. These two twins, isn't it? Jacob and Esau, they come out and he comes out trying to grab. That gives you an idea of how he's going to start his life. But the thing about it is, even before he was born, God spoke to his mom and said that Jacob was going to be the one that was going to have the blessing. So Jacob is going to have the blessing of God, but he will spend his whole life trying to get it his own way. <laughs> even though God just wanted to give him it as a gift. And, um, and I, I just was thinking about this a lot. Jacob is someone who will do everything to win a blessing for himself. He steals his brother's blessing. He ends up in conversations with his uncle. Um, like over 20 years, he has to strive for a blessing. Jacob becomes stubborn, self-obsessed, and selfish. And yet, he's God's man. God like needs a new HR guy, doesn't he? Because the partners that he's hiring just aren't very good. But it kind of gives us hope, doesn't it, if we're really honest? That's the beautiful thing about the Bible. All its own problems are within the text. Yeah? It just it gives you just, you know, no holds barred. And God has to do something with Jacob. After 20 years, God has to, God has to get Jacob. <laughs> Basically, he has to wrestle him. Like, literally, a man comes, a kind of prefiguration of Christ, I reckon, a man, an angel of the Lord comes and enters into a wrestle with Jacob, who has spent his whole life striving for a blessing that God always wanted to give him. Looking for the fake abundance. Looking for the false blessing. And yet, when you read the text about the wrestle with God, you get a sense that Jacob has had enough. I tried to get the blessing off my brother, and I'm still not satisfied. I tried to get the blessing off my uncle, and I'm still not satisfied. I own everything. He was a wealthy man at this point. He was rich. He had lots of farm. He had lots of animals. He was a wealthy, wealthy man. And yet it's not enough. And so when he's literally holding God in a wrestle, he's like, this is my chance. This is my moment. And so he says to, in the wrestle, he says, it's a strange passage, but the guy, an embodiment of God, who's wrestling, Jacob basically says, you need to let me go. And Jacob says, I will not go until you, there's the word again, bless me. I need the blessing that only you can give. I have done every other way that there is to try and strive for the blessing. And along the way, I've hurt lots of people. 
I've hurt my brother. I've driven a wedge between me and my brother. I've hurt my uncle. I've got 12 sons who are all fighting amongst each other. I've got I don't know how many wives who are all rivaling one another to be like the main wife. I've, like, I've tried to do this in so many ways. Yes, I'm wealthy. Yes, I've got all this stuff. But you know what? The blessing that I really need for my life, only you have it. And I will not, I won't let you go until you bless me. And so God has to literally punch him in an area, right? That's hard for a man to get punched in because basically his hip flexor around his groin region is thrown out of joint because God has to wound this man in order to reveal how much he loves him. And Jacob will walk with a limp for the rest of her life, which can seem on first instance a bit harsh, but that limp reminds him every day, doesn't it? Of the night where he held God in his own arms and he went toe to toe and he wrestled with God. And so I want to finish with this. It's when we recognize we are most broken that we are positioned to receive maximum blessing. (laughs) And isn't this just the gospel? Isn't this just the gospel? That when we are most broken, when we are most undone, when we stop trying to find a blessing in every other place other than God, that we're most ready to receive his love when we just give up in in the right sense of the word stop trying to do it in our own strength that we get blessed and we become a blessing to, to everyone else around us Jacob's name is transformed to Israel which means uh, struggled with God struggled with God and prevailed isn't it really funny like, like the, the people of God the chosen people are, are the ones who struggle with God so here, here's what I feel led to challenge you I went in a totally different direction by the way this morning than I thought I was going to go when I was preparing what would you rather be would you rather be I hope this comes across the right way like just a nice pristine Christian who says all the right things and does all the right things Are you happy just to acknowledge yourself as a broken person who needs straightened out and is happy to go before God with all your struggles, with all your insecurities, with all your false self, with all your imposter syndromes, with all the stuff that we try to show God and to strive blessing for in other ways and say, do you know what, God? I need you. I need your blessing. And I am not going to let you go. So God, come and do something in me. Take this stubborn part of me and channel it for your goodness. Take this rebellious part of me and channel it for your goodness. Take this broken part of me and use it for your kingdom. Turn it around so that I can not just know the blessing of God, but so that I can receive the blessing in order to overflow with it. And so what I'd love to do, this is basically what the rest of the Old Testament will be. A nation struggling with God. A nation trying to find the blessing the other way. And God will try and show it how it's supposed to steward the blessing, and it will try to try and do it a different way, which sets us up lovely for how Jesus will come and show us how it was really supposed to be done. I'd love to pray this morning.
let's just remain seated. I just get a sense this morning. I'm not going not gonna to lengthen this because we, we need to close up in a moment. But I just feel like there's some people God's really speaking to you this morning. And if, if, if you just love me to pray for you, you don't need to know what it is. Would, would you just stand? It's just one of those mornings where you just feel, I just need to respond to something that's going on in my life or where I'm at. And uh, I'd love to respond to this. If you, if you feel God speaking to you, would you just feel free to stand? Let me pray over you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Bless you all. Come, Lord Jesus. God, I, I thank you for this morning. Thank you that you're here. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessing that you've poured out upon us. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us to partner with you in that blessing. And Lord, as we try to as we try to comprehend the magnitude of the blessing that you have over our lives, Lord, we also try to comprehend the work that you need to do in us in order to carry that blessing. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you fresh, saying, come and do with us what you need to do. And Lord, particularly for brothers and sisters who are just feeling uh, today is a bit of a carry-off moment, a significant moment just to respond to, I, I pray, Lord, for them right now that you would give them grace, give them grace to give up in order to receive what you have always wanted them to know. I pray for a strong sense of release and relinquishment in the surrender of this moment so that they can receive more of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry we're out of time this morning and just slightly over. I want to try and get our kids released um, from the faith mission. So please do go and get them if you would. But listen, we'd love to pray with you. Some of us are around here and available to do that. Please do come and pray. And please do sign up for our prayer room slots this week on Wednesday and Saturday there on the chalkboards at the back. All right. The Lord bless you all. Have a great week.